Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Akosia Ofenwa Opoku. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. I had plans to come to regularize the parliamentary approval, to seek for parliamentary approval after I've signed the contract. And I was seriously in the situation that couldn't make me think properly. The way you think that now, I will actually address myself to the situation. Biggest governmental blunder ever recorded as Health Minister Kwekwa Jimamenu explains to a parliamentary committee how he signed a contract first for the procurement of Sputnik V vaccines with the intent to bring the agreement to parliament later for approval. A clear case of putting the cart before the horse. Also coming up, third wave of COVID-19 causes there as Ghana Health Service counters an earlier instruction by the GES for SHS students to go home for the midterms, we'll find out how troubling this particular issue of COVID-19 is. And later on Eyewitness News. The expected households have been raised. The sense of staking was structured in a manner that the first two weeks was to give us an assessment of the workload. So we identified all structures, all households, and for that matter, the usual if you have not been counted by census officials yet, well, the Ghana Statistical Service says there will be a chance for you. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, calls for establishment of satellite markets across the country as a way of decongesting major trading centres. That's in some 50 minutes with Anita Kisi Mriko. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations. Across the globe, we're on citynewsroom.com. It's an interactive show, so you can join us on WhatsApp. It's 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. Send us tweets. Hashtag citynewsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda. You can also tweet at city973. And the world gets to hear. What do you think? This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Well, Ghana has been hunting for COVID-19 vaccines. Indeed, since we got the earlier consignment, uh, close to 1 million or so doses that were vaccinated or that had persons vaccinated, nothing has since come. The government has frantically been searching for COVID-19 vaccines without success. And then it became apparent or emerged a few months back that the government had contracted a certain Sheikh Al Maktoum to bring us COVID-19 vaccines, the Sputnik V, at an exorbitant price. That was a huge scandal, but that's not the biggest of all. Tonight, we're going to hear how the Minister for Health admitted publicly that he signed a contract first before taking the contract to Parliament for approval. Of course, I'll give us a full story. 
The Minister for Health, Kwekua Jeman Menu, has indicated that he did not seek parliamentary approval before engaging a private individual for the procurement of COVID-19 vaccines. Government used the services of middlemen to procure 3.4 million doses of Russia's Sputnik V vaccines at a cost of $19 per dose instead of the factory price of $10. Appearing before the Bipartisan Parliamentary Committee constituted to prove the controversial Sputnik V vaccine procurement deal, Mr. Mainu said the circumstances at the time didn't permit him to use the right channels in procuring the vaccines. According to him, he engaged Sheikh al-Muktum before making attempts to get the vaccines from the right source. Here are excerpts of what transpired. Honorable Minister, did you seek parliamentary approval before you entered into this contract? No, please. You did not. Have you any such plans? I had plans to come to regularize the parliamentary approval, to seek for parliamentary approval after I've signed the contract. Do you, do you appreciate the fact that the pronouncement by the Supreme Court vis-a-vis -vis the constitutional provision clearly talks about prior approval? Do you appreciate that? I'm sorry, very much so. But my frustrations trying to get a vaccine for us at the heat of our second wave. I relied on the executive instrument 61 that was passed by parliament to hide behind emergency clauses that have been invoked to try to see if I could do that and come to parliament to inform parliament that this is what I've done and therefore need uh, regularization. I need approval to cover it because we were in dire need of the vaccines and I had the owners to try to procure the vaccines to vaccinate Ghanaians to protect our lives. But the EIA is a subsidiary legislation. Honorable Chair, I must be very honest with you. At the time I have mentioned my frustration was the fact that I seriously made that error and um, on hindsight it won't happen any longer. Mr. Minister, you are a senior member of this house and you are aware of how we deal with emergency situations in Parliament. We have conventions and rules and regulations conver I mean, governing how you deal with emergency issues, i.e. appearing before the relevant committee and make a case so that the issue can be dealt with as an emergency issue. Why didn't you take advantage of that procedure? Around I have explained that those were not normal times. And I was seriously in the situation that couldn't make me think properly. The way you think that now, I will actually address myself to the situation. Mr. Minister, are you aware that we have dealt with issues and motions on the same day before on the floor of the house, in this house? And let me give you examples. You remember the 1.2 billion and the 100 million dollars from the World Bank? We dealt with it the same day. Couldn't you have done that? I could have done that. But the circumstances at the time was a little bit different. Honorable Minister, you have laid evidence before this committee that you used your best efforts to get diplomatic channels to enable you reach the manufacturer or the Russian authority directly. Is that correct? Yes. You even did so by producing letters as evidence of such correspondence. Is that correct? That's correct. 
you further indicated that it was after all those best endeavors have proved futile before you dealt with the sheikh. Is that correct? That might not be correct. I dealt with the sheikh before the frantic efforts to try to get the vaccines from the right source. So, were you being untruthful to this committee when you indicated that you use your best efforts to get direct access to the manufacturer and the Russian authorities before you dealt with a shake. I remember I have said this anyway. What I said was that I made efforts, but I didn't just oppose the timing of the efforts that I made. When did you start the negotiation with the private? The negotiation was done overnight. On the 2nd or so March, when I got information that there are people who can supply Sputnik, not only Batum, there was another company in Ghana, they together with SL Global. We are talking with specific reference to Maktoum. Fine. So, and I've told you, honorable colleague, you signed a contract on the knife. We signed a contract on the knife. And you That's started right. a negotiation on the 3rd. Yes. By your own minute as it be 4A. You started a negotiation on the... They arrived here on the 3rd with evidence of stocks. So we sat down the negotiations. And you think between the period of 3rd and the period of signing the contract, you do not deem it necessary to comply with the constitutional... We never concluded our discussions before they flew back. So we continued engagement until the time that we signed the contract. Mr. Ajiman Menu also reiterated why it was important for him to get the vaccines in a haste. Let me brief my colleagues of the situation that I was in, which pushed me to do this, that has warranted this inquisition of me here. On February, when the West Bank, since COVID hit our souls, we lost 78 lives, 78 lives. Even when we got the first consignment of COVAX of 600,000 doses, the normal planning was to wait and get our systems running within three weeks before we vaccinate. But at a COVID meeting, we realized that we didn't have space. So let us begin to vaccinate in five days. So we cut down the timing of our own planning to five days. And our Ghana Health Service and our vaccinators with a robust EPI managed to start vaccinating with the COVAX 600,000 very quickly. We were expecting some more doses, but then we were informed that the allocations they've given us could not happen, and people were dying. February 78, March 56, these were the numbers. And if you, any of us here, were the health minister at the time, I think you'll have, you might have taken certain decisions that on hindsight, on, on um, Going forward, you may not have done those things. This was the environment that I found myself in. Out of desperation, frustration, so many things. And people were dying, we needed to protect our citizens. That is all. So I want you to bear these things in mind. That I was not in normal times at all. And therefore, certain things will have been done which will not conform to the normal. The health minister further revealed that the Food and Drugs Authority was not engaged to test the efficacy of the controversial 3.4 million doses of Russia's Sputnik V vaccines.
when you are sending us the documents, Attorney General asked you that if you have any attached to the contract, I suggest to you that you have not attached any dealings with the FDA, so I'll be right in concluding that the FDA has been neglected in this process. Honorable Minister. Um, I will say yes. I don't know of any government institution that has applied for the FDA question. to do this. You, EUA is emergency use authorization for Sputnik 5. A government agency, I will say no. Who holds the UA in Ghana for Sputnik 5? Who? Which company? I know of Cedar Point, but FDA served notice to us that Sputnik V has actually been approved for use in Ghana. And when they issue that one to whoever it is, it becomes the document for whoever you are dealing with from that point. That was Minister for Health, Kweku Ajiman Menu. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let me know what you think um, as a layman listening to the Minister for Health make the comments. And the question tonight really is, can a, an emergency situation make a public officer go behind the law or the due procedure to engage in what he believes to be for the public good? Well, I have not been a public officer before, but the next person I'm speaking to has been a minister for health, occupied this particular position before, Alex Segbefia. He joins us on the line. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You've heard your successor in office speak. Indeed, he's actually just your successor. What do you make of the explanations he gave for not going to parliament and even for having a cabinet approval for the contract that he went to sign, which contract um, is more than $3 million? A good evening to you and good evening to your listeners. Uh, can I say that uh, I believe that uh, my colleague, uh, Minister, um, and I say that as uh, my successor, is in some serious uh, difficulties with uh, some of the answers that have come forth um, because of the way and manner in which the our government has actually dealt with uh, our government in terms of issues of emergency. The greatest emergency we had was actually the power situation, the famous do so. Certain things were done during our government to ensure that power in this country was made available to all. And they totally scandalized everything that was done under that system, uh, giving the impression to the extent that we now have even a judgment debt based on contracts that have been cancelled show that we actually got it right and they got it wrong. So it behoves upon the current minister to make sure that actually the steps that had to be taken were taken. And for all intents and purposes, we seem to be having an admission clearly and frankly uh, before the committee that the rightful steps that needed to be taken with parliamentary approval, AG's advice, etc., were all not done. We see a position where we seem to be trying to hide behind emergency powers that were given to the presidency, uh, and therefore it would appear that we seem to be saying that because of those emergency powers, um, any minister could act any way they, they liked without prior approval, either from the presidency or from, from cabinet or from the pal from parliament. 
do not believe that is the way it works. When you even put it down as an emergency, the next question I ask is, notwithstanding all that was happening at the time and now, that continues to happen because our numbers are still spiking. Where are the vaccines today? We still don't have them, and you still have to follow a set process and procedure to deal with getting them. When you breach the set processes and procedures that exist, you then run into the difficulties which he now has spoken about, which has led to the approbation of the current contract, which would be spoken five contracts. Have those processes and procedures followed, the difficulties with it would have been exposed earlier, and therefore we would not even have gone into the contract in the first place. We have not benefited from it, unlike the power uh, crisis where even we got in the power, and we have been able to use all the power plants, car power, etc., even shifted it, so it has actually become useful, and yet they were not happy with the financial side of that contract, which proved not to be wrong. And therefore, you ask yourself, in a case where you've actually gone into a contract, it hasn't helped the country in any way, we never got the vaccines, we still don't have the vaccines, and contracts were signed and people, some monies appear to have exchanged hands, uh, and we may now have to retrieve them if they haven't been retrieved already, then uh, it means that we are in serious difficulties with regard to the whole transaction. And I, I think that my brother minister is in a difficult place. It's unfortunate. On the issue of money, the government side has said to us that not a CD has been lost uh, to Sheikh Al Maktoum because the contract or the delivery has not been done. Now, that is the understanding we are given. He yeah. has explained the circumstances. Indeed, he says he was frustrated and the second wave was hitting hard and he needed to do something. That's the reason he did what he did. Um, I do not recall if when you were a minister, there was ever a public health emergency at your time. For instance, um, the Ebola issue. Were you the minister at the time? Did you have to, you know, consider doing things out of the emergency situation you were faced with? Perhaps that could guide you to say, well, it was a very difficult time and he needed to do what he did. Can't he have a single justification for what he did, you think? Well, there's always cabinet. There's always... The he didn't get cabinet approval either, he said. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So you, you, he could have had the benefit of the president himself or uh, the person that would have called an emergency cabinet meeting because we, we had an emergency. It would have been discussed. It would have been laid bare. The Attorney General would have given advice immediately on what could be done or not done. And even if you were going to invoke the emergency powers, the way and manner in which you would need to go about invoking it. And the truth of the, pud of the pudding or the taste is in the east. Here we are, how many months down the line? Have we had any extra vaccines beyond that? to deal with uh, vaccinations? No. So in, even with the haste that we need to get it, that emergency still exists today as we speak. And yet whatever we are going to do today, we'll still have to follow the set process. There are a number of things when you're in an emergency you must bear in mind. One, when you don't have to deal or think alone, don't think alone. Two minds always work better than one. 
and five mines worth better than three. Depending, that's why you throw it out there. You have colleagues, you have a cabinet, you have a president who you throw it to. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of making sure you get it right. And any time you're in that type of a situation, you must ensure that you begin to put things in writing, every step you take, so that at least you can then justify it. And once you're putting it in writing, it, it things begin to trigger in your brain that, mm-hmm, can I really do this or not? So, I mean, I don't want to hold, he will have, I've not seen the papers, and maybe everything is hunky-dory, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, I stand to be corrected. But from the answers that I heard him give, uh, about saying that, for example, that he wasn't himself, etc. It almost as if he took the whole burden on himself, without even thinking of his cabinet colleagues, the advisors. There's a COVID team available who could, uh, are supposed to throw in. And yes, he's hmm. a minister. He takes ultimate decision, but it wasn't there. And 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 for me, I think that when you look at the way in which they have scrutinized uh, decisions of the previous government. Uh, saying that things haven't even been done properly, uh, even from building of hospitals, etc. You ask yourself, then how do we get into this mess, notwithstanding the emergency? Uh, our Minister for Health had or tested for COVID-19. So yes. he has actually lived COVID-19, as in the coronavirus. So perhaps he, 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 he realizes that this is a very painful thing. And yes. things that he needed to quickly, you know, swing into action and and get the vaccines delivered to the population so that we don't have to go through what he went through. You do not think that may perhaps be a good excuse for for doing what he did on the blind side of everybody else who he should have consulted. Maybe he was just desperate because he knows what pain uh, is in coronavirus. I don't for one minute uh, put down the deaths of people, the suffering of our people, the, the illness coronavirus. I've had it, I, and I know what it is as well. The, prop, the point is, is, is not that we do not sympathize. We do. We even empathize with everything that has gone on. Yes. But does that still give you the, the right to breach all processes and procedures when you have a process which would have allowed it to become a collective decision as opposed to an individual decision. Let That's me, all I'm you're saying. Let me and, tap into your so, legal... So let me ask, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask a question. Was, was John Mahama not thinking of Ghanaians and all the things that they needed when he went for the emergency plans when the whole country was in darkness? Didn't President Kufo go for a million uh, loan without and then got it ratified hours to get uh, police vehicles for the police force because they didn't have any vehicles. Emergencies have happened in this country before, but there are ways and means going about it, and you have to make sure that you have done enough to cover yourself. It doesn't appear that that is the case. Let me in tap into your scenario. legal hat now, and then let's move from yes. the politics of things. So clearly, based on the admissions he made before the committee, he has breached our rules. He has breached the Constitution. He has breached the Supreme Court judgment or ruling on this particular issue of engaging in international agreements. We remember what happened with Isofoton. We remember what happened with Waterville. 
and uh, we also remember what happened with the Balkan energy case. Uh, the, the, these cases are precedents that we can rely on. The constitution itself frowns on what he did. What should be the legal ramifications? Should the minister be made to suffer? Is the minister the only one who is going to suffer? Should there be ultimate responsibility at the presidency? What do you think as a lawyer? I am uh, not the attorney general. I'm a lawyer. I'm in opposition. Anything I say will be taken as a pinch of salt. Nobody is a fool who is listening to you on this station. Everybody has their thinking cap on. Everybody knows the history in this country. These are the facts. Look at it and make decisions. I am not going to say yea or nay at this juncture. The facts are clear. What are the precedents in this country? What have, has happened in the past? What have they said about contracts that they haven't had parliamentary approval? We have to also look at what is the loss. What has been lost by the country? Because even time, effort, and there has been some expenditure, minimal or great, I don't know. All these are things that will be carried out and looked at subsequently. But uh, the reason I'm not even going to go into all that is, day in, day out, we see what is happening in this country. And we have talk shops and nobody does anything. And everybody knows the problem. The problems we shout about every day on your radio stations, and you have been doing it for months. Nothing is happening. Even when people lose lives, when people are maimed, when nothing. There is some things that are talked about. We scream about it. Government does nothing. So who am I here to be sitting asking or making further comments on what should happen or not happen? There's an attorney general. He should look at the facts and tell us whether this is a good case or not. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us. That's Alex Segbefi, a lawyer, former minister for health. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let me know what you think too. We'll be reading your messages shortly. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Let's take some of your messages coming through via WhatsApp. Chris Wemega says, what's the health minister saying? Is he going to pay the money from his pocket? Why would he sign a contract before engaging in negotiations? He should come clear. The minister has to resign. Period. Joe Intema says, hey, did I hear the minister say he couldn't think properly? Wow. Um, Koshi in the UK says, Rather, in the UK, a minister resigned for breaking COVID-19 protocols. In Ghana, a minister admitted to <clears throat> not following the law and precaution in the award of the COVID-19 vaccine deal, potentially risking the entire population. But he's still at post. Nothing would happen to him. And most importantly, we would be asked to praise him for candor. Elvis in Sakumono says, The health minister should just resign. We cannot let this slide. Otherwise... Every minister will abuse his or her power and claim they had the best interest of the country at the time. This is sad and shameful. Let me bring you messages uh, on the Twitter timeline. Uh, thank you for sending your WhatsApp messages. The number to send your message is 0549986996. Peter Hyde tweets and says, Minister for Health admits that he do yawa with the excuse that he was not thinking properly when he signed the contract. A. What other contracts has he signed under the same excuse? So we should forgive him 
and let it go. Eh? Uh, that's what he's saying. Miftao in Tamale says, if you cannot think properly, what should you be doing there as a health minister? Just imagine a health management is bequeathed to such men. Absolutely pathetic from the health minister. Mr. K says, I think the minister... Um, the health minister should resign immediately because he has proven to be incompetent in the handling of Sputnik V vaccines. I'm disappointed. Daniel Atia says, good morning. Good evening, Umaru. I'm sure you want to say, did the health minister actually say he wasn't in the right frame of mind before signing the contract? Jesus Christ. President Akufado indeed has the men from Dansoman. Jesu Blueprint and Sekado Kitan says, the NDC and the minority should leave the Honorable Ajima Menu alone, for this is not the first time that such an agreement has been signed before taking it to parliament are held first and nothing less nothing more uh, this one from prince henry in kofredua he says the minister for health mr jimamenu must be sacked for his incompetence if the health minister will not sack himself then president akufado must sack him now because his competence is incompetence rather i want to say is legendary this one says thomas thomas citizen Thomas, citizen. He says, it's funny for the health minister to say he was not in a state to think properly. Is the law new to him? And even so, is he the only person involved in the contract? So funny. Big man tweets and he says, will, who still, will, he, will he still be at post um, and be, will he still be at post be eating at home if the country is serious about stopping financial leakages? Um, Amegache Clement says, in any serious country, this man should have been made to resign or get fired by the president. But the clearing agent of a president will do nothing and um, the road will continue. Uh, this one says, he is the leader of the 3.1... Okay, that's a different issue. Uh, Nuna Fianu says, I shall pass you. People at the helm of affairs aren't helping Mother Ghana at all. And uh, this one from... Um, Sir Obama in Pokwas, he says, emergency situations call for emergency... Uh, responses the minister has been candid he meant well for the country it's rather unfortunate that the suppliers failed to meet government's expectations furthermore no money was lost this is eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm so while we're talking about the evasive covid19 vaccines which the minister has been unsuccessful in bringing into the country even after contracting a shake known as al maktoum the covid19 search is on and we are told that there was a meeting today in the Ashanti Regional Capital, Kumasi. Uh, and this is because the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly is really worried. It says 10 persons who contracted COVID-19 within the last two weeks in the municipality have died. And now it's urging people to obey and respect the COVID-19 protocols. Let's get more on what's happening in Kumasi in relation to COVID-19. Hafiz Tijani is our correspondent in the region. Hafiz, take it away. So it's a bit worrying, or it's very worrying for health workers in the Ashanti region, particularly the health directors and the health directors, officials from the health directors are also part of this meeting we mentioned that is ongoing in the existing municipality, precisely Kumasi. Uh, where we are, uh, we are having health directors from across the county uh, being led by the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kumawaji, in that meeting. This meeting is a two-day meeting, and we have to discuss the surge in COVID-19 cases across the county. But before then, uh, we have been speaking to the directors in the region, and they have expressed worry uh, over the rising cases. Five weeks ago, 
the directorate was doing five cases, um, five cases, uh, 20 cases, sorry, 20 cases per week. But now they are recording more than 200 cases per week. And they are so worried that uh, the treatment centers would be overwhelmed if this should continue into the next two weeks. So some of the treatment centers, we are told, have begun receiving most of the cases. So treatment centers like the Kumasi South Hospital, we are told that uh, there, there are about 12 admissions there. Uh, though their cases are not so critical, but uh, they are big moderate. And also, treatment centers like the Compounder Treatment Hospital are also receiving some cases. And the St. Paul Medical Center, which is located at Swansea, uh, is also receiving some cases. But currently, uh, we have about 56 cases that are um, at the treatment center that are on admission at the treatment center. A total of 491 new confirmed cases between 12 and 18 July um, have been recorded so far. And the Kumasi Metropolitan Assembly is leading second to Okoriko Municipality and to the Kwadato Municipal and Assembly. But health officials are worried about the reluctance uh, in terms of the compliance to the COVID safety protocols uh, in the metropolis and also the region as a whole. As we speak now, almost all the 43 districts within their country region have also recorded uh, these cases. And this is a big worry to health officials in the region. And health officials also, or health workers, are sort of these treatment centers like the Kumasi South Hospital. We are learning that about four health workers within the week have recorded uh, positive or now, half is the population itself. Do people know about these recent figures, the hike or the spike rather? And um, are they listening? Is anyone asking them to do anything or is it just normal? For health officials in the region, the, the reach to the public has been on traditional media. And sometimes they employ the services of the ISD, that is the information service department, to go around places which are busy, like the bus terminal and also the market centers, to try and sensitize and educate people on the cases. But they are worried that people are not listening. Uh, but sometimes they say uh, the enforcement comes, or uh, people are only taking the enforcement because they see that a police officer or a military man is standing by to tell them to wear their mask before they put it on. But some of these education they do, it's not everyone that is complying with some of these um, education or sensitization. And uh, they say, for now, where you have people complying is the banks and institutions where if you don't wear your mask or if you don't comply with some of these protocols, you are not allowed in. That is where you find people wearing their masks to offices, government agencies. But as, as soon as most of them leave these places, they are not complying. And health workers or health officials are not happy about this change.
Thank you so much. Hafiz Tijani, there is our correspondent in the Ashanti region. Let's remain in that region. Dr. Daniel Norris Bekwe is the University Relations Officer of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. We are told that uh, following the surge, the university has given some instructions and um, these instructions if adhered to uh, would minimize the spread of the COVID-19. Uh, Let's talk to him now. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Tell us what you're doing as an institution to fight COVID, the, the spread of the virus. Always, you know, we have always been uh, uh, managing the, the, the spread of COVID-19 um, pretty well on, 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 on the university campus. Um, we have all these things that you need, uh, Veronica Bakers, uh, and all the hand-washing items that we need to uh, keep the spread of the virus. The statement that you saw was just a caution statement, which is supposed to be an internal memo. This we do very often. Just to remind every member of the university community that COVID is not is not yet over. So everybody should continue to adhere strictly to all the safety protocols that the university management has outlined. Uh, so that's what we are doing. Is there an admission that there was a or there were, you had um, relaxed your your protocols? No, we have not relaxed. The so why are you asking for it to be incentivized, uh, intensified, yes, yes. if you haven't? Uh, because, you know, it's just normal. It's part of human nature. Once they, they are not seeing a lot of infection or people getting sick, they are, they, they, they are likely to um, uh, tend to relax. And so we are just cautioning them, especially because Ashanti region is now the hottest spot. And uh, we are in Ashanti region. I'm, I'm just looking at your own statement, sir. Um, and it says in part that all Veronica buckets are to be filled and used constantly. Also, hand sanitizers, wearing of nose masks are to be strictly enforced. This yes. is a subtle admission that these were not happening. No, it was. It's, it's always happening. But you see, you have a few people who may be relaxed or forget that COVID-19 is still, is still around. And so we are just reminding every member of the investing community to continue to do this religiously. And this would include students and lecturers and every other staff of the school? In fact, all members of the investing community, uh, the students, staff, their dependents, even visitors, everyone who comes. If you come to the investing right now, you still have all the notices in place. Without the note, with the, without the nose mask, you cannot enter any uh, hall, any office, or any space. Um, we have uh, hand washing items at vantage points where people are supposed to wash their hands regularly. We have uh, fixed, uh, how do you call it, uh, hand sanitizer dispensers in front of lecture halls and in in front of almost all the offices. And so we are just saying that they must constantly make sure that these things are filled and that they must make sure that these things are used. We're just reminding the members of the investing community. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Dr. Norris Bekwe, University Relations Officer of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. Talking about COVID, uh, let me read for you a statement from the Ghana Health Service. And it says, the Ghana Health Service has cited a recent communication to regional directors of education granting permission to headmasters and headmistresses for Form 3 students to go on midterm holidays. The Ghana Health Service recognizes the importance of, a, of occasional breaks from handwork in improving performance, and this is important for students, especially those in Form 3, as they prepare for the exams. However, in the midst of the current outbreak of COVID-19, the midterm break 
may present a challenge to the already precarious situation of COVID-19 in schools and in the general population. It may also present challenges to containing existing outbreaks in schools. Furtherance to acknowledgement of the importance of midterm breaks to students, the Ghana Health Service wishes to recommend the following. 1. The scheduled uh, period for the midterm break be maintained as planned. 2. The midterm break should be restricted to campus and boarding students must not be allowed to go home. These actions are necessary to prevent and control outbreaks in schools and in the general population. The service counts on your full cooperation. So this is not a statement. It's actually a letter addressed to the Director General of the Ghana Health Service by the Director General of the Ghana Health Service. So the G Ghana Health Service boss has written to the Ghana Education Service boss saying that don't let Form 3 students go home on uh, midterms. And that's a letter signed by Dr. Patrick Kumar Abwaji and copied the Minister for Health. Now, the Ministry for Education in subsequent or subsequent to this letter has issued a statement on 19th July. And it says, and I read, reference is made to an earlier communication on the above subject matter. A reference is also made to the attached letter from the Director General of the Ghana Health Service with reference number, quoted here, which cautions against the mass movement of students due to the recent outbreak of COVID-19. Management of the Ghana Education Service, GES, therefore wishes to inform heads of senior high schools and technical schools that students are not to be allowed to go home during the mid-semester period. Mid-semester break should be observed in schools with no academic activity. Academic work should resume on Monday, July 26, 2021, as earlier communicated. By this letter, regional directors of education are to inform all heads of senior high schools to take note and to communicate same to staff, students and parents. Signed, Dr. Kwabna Bempa Tando, Deputy Director General for uh, the Director General. Dr. Justice Yangsin is the General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Now, this surge of COVID, um, it, it is... It is a bit scary, isn't it? And um, the steps are being ruled out now. We've seen the GES, for instance, saying students should not go back home on mid-sem, even though the GES uh, itself had earlier given clearance for that to be done. The KNUS2 says it is reinforcing COVID protocols, all of these things put together. Uh, you believe that these are the steps, the right steps to be taken now? Well, uh, I think that if you look at what is happening, we may have been caught hands down, but let's hope we can stem the tide by doing all we can to bring the chain of transmission. Because from all indications, this is also being driven by the deadly Delta variant. And uh, we, we need to be very careful at this point. It, it has to be an all-hands-on-deck approach now, such that we we'll do our best to break the chain of transmission. Because... If we look at what has happened elsewhere, India itself, where all this started, and the rate at which this particular variant infected people, we all have no doubt that this is a very violent one, and we need to take steps to ensure that we are all safe. Now, these steps belated, Andy. Well, <laughs> I don't know what has become of us as a people, with all due respect. It, it, we had a first wave, we had a second wave, which by and large taught us lessons. And suddenly we've all gone to, stay, to sleep, 
from the state itself is not really enforcing the rules from the general public. It looks like we were taking it easy. Our vaccination drive hasn't been up to a standard we were hoping. And then the, the, the general protocols around, nobody respects them. So it, it, it's a messy situation for us, it looks like. Now, should we see maybe the police and soldiers back on the street like we saw in the early days of COVID-19? Well, I think where we are now, we need to really intensify education. We also need to do a lot more testing. We need to do a lot more contact tracing. We need to enhance all these activities together with the preventive protocols. And the, the enforcement is one component that Whatever we can do at this point to ensure that same is actually done, the earlier we do it, the better. How do you deal with the issue of the students? So the decision has been made for from three students not to go back on midterms. You believe that's a good decision? Well, you see, at this point, we, we need to contain the threat. So if clearly we up our game when it comes to testing, and we are able to identify schools where potentially there are outbreaks, then the best approach will be to contain them within the school while the health authorities do their best to manage them either on campus or by sending them to the nearest um, health facility. And those who would have been under this sort of forced quarantine that we, 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 we seem to be doing, i.e. some form of localized lockdowns, we follow them up properly, those who are negative and we are quite sure are not going to show symptoms or we have ways of monitoring the symptoms, we pick them out quickly, those who are infected, we deal with them. Because now it looks like it's scattered all the, over the place and there are reasons where clearly we can describe as potential hotspots, if not hotspots already. Doc, I will not let you go without asking you for your views on the Sputnik V scandal where the Minister for Health has told the Parliamentary Committee that he signed a contract before seeking the approval. What do you make of it? Justify? Well, I, 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 personally, I think we should allow the processes to come to an end and uh, let's see what the final outcome will look like because I don't think the minister is the only person who will appear before them. I don't know, but at the end of the day, parliament itself will come up with something. So let, let's get that process to see a true end. But what I don't want this to fall into is this trap where we focus so much on the situation and then in the process, we forget about our vaccination drive itself. At this point, we really need to up our game when it comes to the vaccination drive. And whatever we can do to get vaccines into the country beyond the donations that others are promising us, the earlier we do that, the better. Very well. Thank you. We wait to see how the committee concludes its work. That's Dr. Justice Youngsin, General Secretary of the Ghana Medical Association. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be back with more. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. The Ghana Statistical Service has announced an extension of the mop-up exercise for the 2021 Population and Housing Centers. This comes after an initial seven-day mop-up exercise, which ended on Sunday, July 18, 2021. The extension begins today, Monday, 19th July, and will end on 30th July. Addressing the press today, the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobinayenim, said the nationwide exercise was about 94% complete. The expected households have been raised. The census taking was structured in a manner that the first two weeks was to give us an assessment of the workload. So we identified all structures, all households, and for that matter, the usual persons that are in those households and institutions. Of those households that we identified during the first two weeks of the exercise, 94% of these households have been reached during the enumeration phase of the exercise. So indeed, we have a 6% target that we are working towards. Within this 6%, as I indicated, we have five reasons why we've not reached out to these um, 6% of the expected households. These five reasons range from areas specifically the Gan West, the Ponkatamanso, the Gan North, the Gan South, as I mentioned, that they are fast growing areas. And in some of these areas, indeed, even as of yesterday, listing and enumeration were still ongoing. In most other places, I can say on authority, 99% of the places, listing is completed and we have a sense of the workload, in which case it's enumeration that is currently ongoing. With the places that we've identified the households, but respondents are unwilling to participate in the census exercise, we can only use persuasion as at this stage. Although the law allows us to pursue prosecution in the event where somebody declines in participating in the census exercise. For this window of the data collection phase, we'll continue to use persuasion. We'll continue to use public education to see to explore the possibility of getting people to respond to the call from our enumerators. We are giving ourselves up to the 30th of the month to make up for the 6% that we, let, we have left outstanding. We are pretty optimistic that we're going to cover that. But once we share with you the release on the 30th of July 2021, it will be clear to us whether there will be further extension to the data collection exercise or otherwise. Again, for purposes of emphasis, we are reluctant in going beyond July because we compromise on the recall from the census line, which will be more than a month from 27 June 2021. So we're going to put in all the necessary um, interventions to ensure that by 30 July 2021, we would have reached out to the remaining 6% that we identified during the first phase um, of the exercise. That was the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobna Inim. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's now time for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimuku. Let's settle for the details. 
The Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, is calling for the establishment of satellite markets across the country. This, according to Guta, will help decongest the major markets while reducing the incidence of fire outbreaks. There have been infernos in some markets across the country, with the most recent being the Makola Market Fire, which took several days to completely extinguish and destroyed goods worth hundreds of thousands of CDs in the process. The Greater Accra Regional Minister Henry Corte since his appointment has been on an agenda to decongest major markets in the capital. President of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing, indicated that decongesting the markets will minimize cases of infernos. We have also called for government to do this, decongest the market because that's also a problem that a satellite market should be provided as soon as practicable. We should have modern um, um, market um, in every suburb. So, like we have the Medina market, it's so huge, it's uh, taking most of the concentration, uh, some of the concentration from Makola. So, if we have subcommonal market, we have Adenta, we have uh, anywhere, Dudua, all a uh, modernized market and all that, it will take uh, the chunk of the uh, congestion from Makola to these areas. And then we would have taken advantage also to address the issues of uh, wiring and all that so that uh, uh, the market will be very comfortable for habitation and for trading. You heard the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Associations, Guta, Dr. Joseph Obing. Away from that, a former Nigerian president and champion of the African continental free trade area, Mohamedou Isofu, has called on African leaders to invest in trade facilitating infrastructure to boost the implementation of the AFTA agreement. The AFTA agreement has been described as a major avenue for the eradication of poverty among African countries, but that will only be achieved through proper implementation of the agreement and the provision of an adequate space structure for a smooth flow of goods and persons across the continent. Speaking during a ceremony to unveil a statue in his honor for his role in the successful takeoff of the AFTA agreement in Accra, President Mohamedou Isofu said AFTA will not succeed without support from African leaders. He spoke through an interpreter. The implementation of the development of infrastructure in Africa, which will help us to surmount the first limits of intra-African trade, the lack of infrastructure, which is particularly cost of transport and the delays in in exchanging goods, which is three times more the cost of the goods exchanged in financing the, ex the infrastructure of the continent, railways, energy, airports, seaports, and technology are estimated at about $100 billion yearly. Implementation of the action plan will also expedite after. Former Nigerian president and champion of AFTA, Mohamedou Isofo, speaking through an interpreter.
Now, in the wake of the recent scarcity of poultry feed across the country, the leadership of the Ghana Agricultural and Rural Development Journalists Association wants the Ministry of Food and Agriculture to take urgent steps to address the situation. The association says its research shows that the country's poultry industry is on the verge of collapse if drastic measures are not taken to address the numerous challenges facing poultry farmers. Ashanti Regional Correspondent Edward Opongmafo reports. Ghana's poultry sector faces a number of challenges. Many poultry farmers say they have been discouraged from continuing with their line of work due to the challenges they face on a regular basis. Despite numerous calls by stakeholders for government to address specific concerns affecting the industry, poultry farmers say there has not been any significant improvement. For the Ghana Agricultural and Rural Development Journalists Association, a group that has been in close contact with poultry farmers across the country, the recent scarcity of poultry feed is worrying and pragmatic steps should be taken to make the local poultry industry vibrant. Richmond Frimpon is the president of the association. What we have observed is that within the last five years, government has not paid the needed attention to this poultry industry. And as a result of this, it's really affecting the poultry sector key among them is high cost of production. Hence, our appeal to the Ministry of Food and Agriculture and the government of Ghana to step in and address the issue of, one, the, the, the lack of fees for the um, industry, and then also provide a solution by subsidizing those imported uh, 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 raw materials to augment the existing raw materials that we have or we produce locally here. The group has petitioned the Ministry of Food and Agriculture and has outlined some key measures that can be put in place to address the situation. And over the last two months, I've had uh, engagements with most of the poultry farmers and they are accusing the government for being uh, 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 selective when it comes to the farmer base groups within the country. Ashanti Regional Correspondent Edward Opongma for filed that report. Finally, before we go ahead of the mid-year budget review, the Ghana Hotels Association is calling on the government to introduce policies that will reduce the cost of living of Ghanaians. According to the association, this would increase the disposable income of the public, which will help increase patronage of tourism and hospitality facilities across the country. Per Section 28 of the Public Financial Management Act 2016, Acts 921, Finance Minister Ken Ofori Atta is expected to present the 2020 one media budget review and supplementary estimates for the financial year in parliaments later this month. President of the Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyamikem, stressed that its proposition is instrumental to reviving the sector that continues to grapple with the impacts of the pandemic. The general cry of people is that things are becoming more expensive. And indeed, they are. A couple of months ago, and you see, the, the hotel industry borders on a lot of different areas. We talk about building materials. I don't know if you came across figures on cement, iron rods, you know, for that period. And I think it's still going on. So the general impression being created is that, and I, well, maybe it's not even impression, the general, the real situation is that things are getting more and more expensive. Now, when things get expensive, what it means is that then the disposable income, things, 
and when it rains, then uh, leisure uh, becomes also a challenge. So people are not ready to put more money into those areas. So I think the focus of government is to look at the inflation rate as we, we, we have it. The figures may show that there's been some improvement, but the reality on the ground, okay, the reality on the ground, things are becoming more and more expensive. So uh, in order not to sound too political, they should fix the inflation so that there will be more disposable income for people to use for other activities, including tourism. President of the Ghana Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyamike, speaking there. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by Vodafone, Together We Can, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Anita Kisimoiku. Up next is Point Blank. 58. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umar Usanda Amadu. Tonight on Point Blank, we'll go back to Parliament, that special committee sitting to hear how we contracted Sheikh Al Maktoum to bring us COVID-19 vaccines known as Sputnik V. These vaccines are yet to hit our shore. It has become scandalous though. The minister told the committee today that she, he signed a contract without the approval of the House or even the approval of cabinet. So let's let you listen to what else happened in that committee meeting. Listen. I think the last time we met here, I admitted wholeheartedly that this was a commit I an mean, international transaction. Great. I will not belabor that point because of the admission, but to also draw your attention to Exhibit 9, page 1, the advice the AG gave you. And the general comment 1, it says, and with your kind permission, Honorable Chair, I read again. We observe that this agreement has been executed between the government of Ghana through the Ministry of Health and the private office of the Sheikh, a member of the ruling family of Dubai, United Arab Emirates, therefore subject to the provisions of Article 1815 of the 1992 Constitution. In view of this parliamentary approval is required to ensure the validity of this contract. Honorable Minister, did you seek parliamentary approval before you entered into this contract? No, please. You did not. Okay. Have you any such plans? I had plans to come to regularize the parliamentary approval, to seek for parliamentary approval after I've signed the contract. But do you do you appreciate the fact that the pronouncement by the Supreme Court vis-a-vis -vis the constitutional provision clearly talks about prior approval? Do you appreciate that? Well, I'm sorry, very much so. But my frustrations to try to get a vaccine for us at the heat of our second wave, I relied on the executive instrument 61 that was passed by parliament to hide behind emergency clauses that have been invoked.
to try to see if I could do that and come to Parliament to inform Parliament that this is what I have done and therefore need uh, regularization, I need approval to cover it because we were in dire need of the vaccine and I had the owners to try to procure the vaccines to vaccinate Ghanaians to protect our lives. But the EI is a subsidiary legislation. Honorable Chair, I must be very honest with you. At the time I have mentioned my frustration was the fact that I seriously made that error and um, on hindsight it won't happen any longer. Mr. Minister, you are a senior member of this house and you are aware of how we deal with emergency situations in Parliament. We have conventions and rules and regulations I mean, governing how you deal with emergency issues, i.e. appearing before the relevant committee and make a case so that the issue can be dealt with as an emergency issue. Why didn't you take advantage of that procedure? Madam Chair, I've explained that those were not normal times. And I was seriously in the situation that couldn't make me think properly, the way you think that now I will actually address myself to the situation. Mr. Minister, are you aware that we have dealt with issues and motions on the same day before on the floor of the house in this house? And let me give you examples. You remember the 1.2 billion and the 100 million dollars from the World Bank? We dealt with it the same day. Couldn't you have done that? I could have done that, but the circumstances at the time was a little bit different. Honorable Minister, you have laid evidence before this committee that you used your best efforts to get diplomatic channels to enable you reach the manufacturer or the Russian authority directly. Is that correct? Yes. You even did so by producing letters as evidence of such correspondence. Is that correct? That's correct. You further indicated that it was after all those best endeavors have proved futile before you dealt with the sheik. Is that correct? That might not be correct. I dealt with the sheik before the frantic efforts to try to get the vaccines from the right source. So, were you being untruthful to this committee when you indicated that you used your best efforts to get direct access to the manufacturer and the Russian authorities before you dealt with a shake? I remember I have said this. Anyway, what I said was that I made efforts, but I didn't just oppose the timing of the efforts that I made. And you want me to take your answer that these persons that you entered into the agreement with, you don't know who that person is? I told you, Honorable Chair, that your question was not very clear. And I didn't understand what you meant by who that person was. If you have probably explained what you actually wanted, I may have answered differently. I told you that I didn't understand what you mean by who was he. 
Okay. You didn't ask me about his company. You didn't ask me about nothing. Now that is the blunt question you asked. Now me. that you understood my question, who is H H Sheikh Ahmed Dalmuk Almatuk? Who, in what respect, in his person or his company dealings and his business transactions? The person you deal with in your contract as a bit one. What I know about them was what he came to let me know. And I also searched a little bit to find out about his business, um, how do I call it, his business and his company and all the deals that he has around the globe. You've already agreed that he's not a Ghanaian and he doesn't have a business in Ghana. Definitely, yes. And you also agree that dealing with such a person makes the transaction qualified as an international business transaction. I think I had admitted to this earlier. Honorable, the question has been, I mean, the, 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 when questions are answered, I think you can move on for other things. Right. So, Minister, you would, yes. I also agree with me that in this particular transaction, you have not taken into consideration the constitutional imperative in Article 1815 of the 1992 Constitution. I think I've answered this question already. Yes, okay. So Would I'll, you I'll, say that it's as a result of that that you took it to the Attorney General? That is right. No, no, no. I, but why would I have taken it to the Attorney General's office? Honorable Chair, let me, let me with your indulgence. Honorable Chair, let me with your indulgence. Brief my colleagues. Let me brief my colleagues of the situation that I was in, which pushed me to do this, that has warranted this inquisition on me here. Honorable Chair, February, well, the West Bank, since COVID hit our souls, we lost 78 lives. 78 lives. Even when we got the first consignment of COVAX of 600,000 doses, the normal planning was to wait and get our systems running within three weeks before we vaccinate. But at a COVID meeting, we realized that we didn't have space. So let us begin to vaccinate in five days. So we cut down the timing of our own planning to five days. And our Ghana Health Service and our vaccinators with a robust EPI managed to start vaccinating with the COVAX 600,000 very quickly. We were expecting some more doses. But then we were informed that the allocations they have given us could not happen and people were dying. February 78, March 56, these were the numbers. And if you, any of us here, were the health minister at the time, I think you'll have, you might have taken certain decisions that on hindsight, on, on um, going forward, you may not have done those things. This was the environment that I found myself in, out of desperation, frustration, so many things and people were dying, we needed to protect our citizens. That is all. So I want you to bear these things in mind, that I was not in normal times at all, and therefore certain things will have been done which will not conform to the normal. I feel I went here, on a wheelchair. 
Mr. Chairman, Honorable Minister, you told us that you have taken a decision to do the negotiation before 3rd March. Why? I didn't tell didn't you negotiations. I said engagement with private people. So I will come back to the question again. When did you start the negotiation with the private? The negotiation was done overnight. On the 2nd or so March, when I got information that there are people who can supply Sputnik, not only Batum, there was another company in Ghana, they together with SL Global. We are talking with specific reference to Maktoum. Fine. So, and I've told you, honorable colleague, you signed a contract on the knife. We signed a contract on the knife. And you That's started correct. a negotiation on the 3rd. Yes. By your own minute as it before A. You started a negotiation on the... They arrived here on the 3rd with evidence of stocks. So we sat down the negotiations. And you think between the period of 3rd and the period of signing the contract, you do not deem it necessary to comply with the constitutional process. We never concluded our discussions before they flew back. So we continued engagement until the time that we signed the contract. Honorable Minister, did your ministry contact the Sheikh or the Sheikh contacted the ministry for the supply? The ministry contacted the Sheikh. But look at your exhibit 4A. Your exhibit 4A says, page two, last but one paragraph. The team lead, with your kind permission, Honorable Chai Reed, the team lead of HH Sheikh, after the chairman's presentation, also indicated that the approach to the Ministry of Health is to express the ability to be able to supply the said vaccines, which has become difficult to and scarce to source. So in your exhibit 4A, you are telling us that they actually contacted you. I also take you to your own press release, your press statement that the vice chair read. And against page six, sorry, paragraph six, it says, against the background of non-response let me, let me show that one and go to exhibit one. So from your exhibit 4A to your exhibit 1D, the buyer approached the seller to sell the supply vaccines to the buyer. So in your minutes, showing us that you actually negotiated with the Sheikh, you are telling us that the Sheikh contacted the ministry to supply. And in your contract, you are saying that you contacted the Sheikh, and in your answer, you don't know the Sheikh. Can you uh, take us out of this confusion? Thank you. I don't see where this confusion arises. Maybe let me go further to explain. The initial contact with the Sheikh was some phone call. In my desperation to get vaccines, when my normal channels were failing, I was talking to people, Ghanaians, and I can't remember who even gave me the indication 
of the likely supplies from Al Maktoum. So we called Al Maktoum's office, and they said, yes, we can supply you. Then I said, I don't want to believe in stories. People were coming to tell me they can supply, they haven't been able to. So you should demonstrate availability. Then they called and said that, yes, they can come and demonstrate by bringing 10,000 or so thousand good doses. So I invited them to come and let us look at. And that is how come they came with supplies. So initial contact was done on telephone. And when they came and we sat down in the conference room to look at what they have brought, this is all communicated in the minutes that are actually supplied. So in his, I mean, opening remarks also, I think that is what he said, they have come to show availability and they can supply his vaccines. So this was not the first time that we contacted Sheikh. It was a physical meeting we had, which was recorded. But earlier engagement had always been on telephone. The chairman, this is, is, is a very intelligent question. And I think that it falls squarely within our terms of reference. If you read the terms of reference item three, to determine whether the services of a middleman was procured in the transaction, and if so, the propriety of same having regard to the relevant laws. So it's it, it, it apt, it's appropriate, and I don't think we should overrule this at all. Mr. Chairman, I will follow it up with my uh, question. Um, Mr. Minister, don't you think if there is any confusion in the system, as you have rightly indicated, you created it? Because, Mr. Minister, if you refer to your press conference, press release, which of course you were talking to Ghanaians, you stated at paragraph six that you, government of Ghana, was responding to an offer. You were responding to an offer. Then when you come to exhibit one, D, you say that you, uh, the, 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 the ministry was also responding to an offer from the, 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 the sheikh. So in your press statement, you are saying that it is a sheikh that wrote to you and you are responding. And in the contract, you are saying the, the other way around. So could you clarify this uh, confusion? I mean, these are two, so, so that we move from there. Honorable I think I'm making the force to clarify the situation. We did initial contacts on telephone. You see, Mr. Minister, with the greatest deal of respect, we are not privy to whatever conversation you had with them on telephone. On the face of the document you have provided this committee is what we are basing our questions on. And so your conversation with the, the, the Sheikh, we are asking you questions with regards to your press statement and your agreement. Can you please reconcile the two? You have allowed it for the time being. I've allowed the question for the time being. Let the minister. I think I'm even getting them more confused. I think I'm even getting a little bit more confused. Okay. Uh, on, 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 on,
Minister, I think, uh, like I said initially, with the greatest respect, the use of certain words within the context of law and the use of certain words within the context of public communication have to be reconciled and so that nobody questions your credibility <laughs> or that we are also not left in doubt. But for the avoidance of doubt, my colleague has just drawn my attention to his two contentions. So I would take my time to read them aloud. You pay attention and just reconcile. Is that okay? Are you fine by that? Yes. Very well. So his first contention is that paragraphs, paragraph D, paragraph D, page one of the contract of exhibit MOH1. The contract provides the buyer approached the seller to sell and supply vaccine to the buyer. And the seller is willing to sell and supply the vaccine to the buyer, subject to the following terms. So that's, that is his contention. He, however, says that in your press statement to the public, you had said, among other things, quote, paragraph six, against the background of non-response from direct channels and global shortages of the vaccine, M Ministry of Health on 9th March 2021 responded to an offer from the private office of Matu for the supply of total quantity of 3.4 million doses of Sputnik vaccines at a unit cost of $19. So now, he is interested in the ministry responded to an offer from an entity. Now, at this hearing, the private office of Dalmuk al Maktoum has been established as a legal entity for the records. So he wants to you to clarify or reconcile what you meant by responded to an offer from this and the statement that's in paragraph D that the buyer approached the seller. So this is all. I, I, I believe it's honorable chair. How different are these two statements from these two documents? The buyer approaches. The ministry responds to an offer. So the offer the buyer gave, can that not be interpreted to mean an approach? Doma Central Member of Parliament, Health Minister in the Republic of Ghana, Kweku Ajiman Menu, speaking to the Afenyo Marking Committee of Parliament on Sputnik V. Well, let the conversation continue on our timeline. Use the hashtag City News. Let us know what you make of the disclosures today. That will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou.
Production tonight by Fred Tete Jabano, Zoe Abu Beidou Ado, Bevelyn London, Sami Uyafe. The technical support from Desmond Yako. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Let me just say Eid Mubarak to you though. Baraka de Salam. Me to come your way on the radio. Bye bye. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.